0: It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eatin' Podcast. Yeah, let's eat baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eatin' Podcast and if you're looking for a place to make online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code podcast1. You get a 50% sign-up bonus today. Maybe you want to play a little Super Bowl betting prop action. We'll get to that a little bit later. He is Joe Dolan, the number one-ranked fantasy football analyst in the galaxy over the last five years, according to FantasyPros.com. You should be following him on Twitter like I do, at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, five podcasts, probably seven other jobs. I don't know. I don't even count them anymore. I just, if someone says, hey, you want to go there and talk about football? I say yes. It's really that simple. And we had some good football, Joe, this past weekend. And I want to get your thoughts in general before I have some actually some specific questions whether it's, you know, from the game itself, something you notice schematically, something that matters for fantasy purposes next year. Let's start with the AFC Championship game, Joe.
1: Yeah, sure. So let's talk about the Titans and the Chiefs. And, and uh, Ross, I know the Titans are playing football, uh, maybe kind of an old school way. When it defense, the run game and all that stuff. And it didn't exactly work out. They didn't have the firepower to beat the Chiefs, mostly Even with Dean Pease uh, in his final game as defensive coordinator, they just couldn't slow down Patrick Mahomes. Very few can. But I got to admit, and I know you as a former offensive lineman, you had to probably love watching the Titans over the past month plus. Uh, Maybe even since Ryan Tannehill took over because they did so much cool stuff with the run game, with boot action. Moving the pocket for Ryan Tannehill, getting him on the move, making things simple for him, and then giving the ball to Derrick Henry. I understand it didn't end the way Titans fans would have hoped. You know, they go out, get out to the 10-0 lead, and then Kansas City really just blows them out the rest of the game. But I actually had Ross a lot of fun watching the Titans. And my question to you is: number one, how much did you like watching Tennessee over the past uh two months or so? And number two, Why don't more teams move the pocket with their mobile quarterbacks? It's just something – that, that seems like it just makes things so much easier on the quarterback. It stresses the defense because, you know, Tannehill's going to have an easier read down the field or he can take off running. We see the Chiefs do it with Mahomes. Obviously, Baltimore is a completely different offense because of Lamar Jackson's skill set. But when I watch guys, teams who have mobile quarterbacks and they don't move the pocket at least once in a while, it kind of drives me nuts seeing the success the Titans had with it.
0: I I think it's a fair point about the Titans and moving the pocket. Uh, As for watching them, I loved it. Um, Of course. Probably, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find an offensive lineman that didn't love that or didn't love the Niners the last two games, especially the last game and a half, the way they've run the football. You know, even if you're a really good pass protector, and there's a lot of guys out there like it, when you really feel like a man like when you really feel like lifting the weights and all that was worth it when you really feel like you can dominate the opponent is when you're knocking them backwards you're creating huge holes you just get a much more of a thrill from a big hole in the run game than you do of pass blocking and the quarterback throws it down the field there's just something Exhilarating, you feel like it was more you, you know what I mean? Like, exactly when there's a quarterback throws a touchdown pass, you're like, oh, that's cool. When there's a big hole in the running game, it's almost like I did that, that was me, we did that, you know, like, um, there's no question. So, I loved it. Uh, I absolutely loved every aspect of watching the Titans. I felt like Derrick Henry, after three straight 30 plus carry games it felt to me like he slowed down a little bit um, and didn't have quite the same juice that he had had the other games. But I also feel like it's hard to tell given the fact that he only got three carries in the game. I mean, three carries in the second half.
1: And and here's the thing that we have to circle back to for fantasy. The question is, is this sustainable – over 16 games, what the Titans were doing with Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. As you mentioned, three straight 30-carry games. That is exactly how they wanted to play. The 19 carries he had against Kansas City were his fewest since week 14, and the 69 rushing yards he had were his fewest since week number nine. And remember, that included 188 yards and two touchdowns against Kansas City earlier in the season. So if if, if it looked like Derrick Henry slowed down, I mean – the guy had 96 carries over three games. He had 99 touches over three games. That is absurd. And then you look back to guys like Larry Johnson, and you look back to guys who got all those carries, Sean Alexander in a short period of time, even guys like Alexander and Larry Johnson who weren't huge factors in the past game. They were the old school style of fantasy back who w- played that old school style offense and were top of the board fantasy um, picks? The question I now have is Is this sustainable for Derrick Henry heading into 2020? And I don't know the answer to that question. Now, we also have to point out he is a free agent. So is Ryan Tannehill. My anticipation, and, and Derrick Henry was talking after the game, it, sa- it sounds like he expects to be back. But my anticipation for Derrick Henry is that he will be back with the Titans. But are, do, are they going to put more on Ryan Tannehill's plate or are they going to try to work this system and continue to have Derrick Henry try to carry the offense from a fantasy perspective, It reminds me more of a Sean Alexander, somebody who had those couple of great seasons and then just completely wore down. Um, We've had some freaks in the past in the NFL. Adrian Peterson is probably the best example of somebody who's still going, who I still think runs the ball really well. Is Derrick Henry going to be more of an Adrian Peterson or is he going to be more of a Sean Alexander? And in this day and age for fantasy football, can we trust somebody whose career high in catches is 18 over the course of a full season? Now, Derrick Henry has been overall a pretty healthy guy. He's missed just two games in his career. Uh, I know he battled uh, the hamstring this year, um, was battling some injuries, and maybe that was a little bit of a factor for Kansas City. But when you take that kind of a beating – I understand. Running backs love to dole that out, but at some point, it does have to wear on you. So when I look at somebody like Larry Johnson, I look at somebody like Sean Alexander, I hope those guys are not the comparison for Derrick Henry uh, vis-a-vis Adrian Peterson, who is still going and is still playing very well, as you know. So... Uh, For obvious reasons, Ross, I haven't done a full-scale look at 2020 yet. I really don't know how I'm going to feel about Derrick Henry. This is somebody who I will fully admit I've been wrong on in the past. I thought he was a little too tentative for his size coming out of Alabama. As a part-time back, it just did not work out for him when he was splitting carries with DeMarco Murray. And then later on, uh, at the beginning of last season, when he was splitting carries with Deion Lewis. And then the Titans decided to commit to him, and we saw a totally different back. We saw somebody who uh, apparently he's talked to Eddie George and Eddie George was like, dude, you're bigger than everybody. You're the size of an offensive lineman. Get downhill. And that is a is a mentality that Derrick Henry adopted. But how sustainable is it? The numbers, the analytics suggest it's not sustainable. This is a, a very specific type of offense. And eventually you need to throw the ball to win. So Derrick Henry will be a first round pick in 2020. How high he goes, I'm not sure how high I'm willing to take him. That's something that I'm going to have to talk to you about over the next couple of months, because I'm still trying to parse it out, but there is no doubt that he had a very special season. And and for my money was one of the three or four most fun players to watch over the past month or two.
0: Yeah. And I think we all are sort of assuming that he'll be back with the Titans. I'd be very surprised if he's not, uh, but you never know, I guess. What about on the other side, the Kansas city chiefs and obviously there will be a lot of conversation with them. They won. They're in the Super Bowl. All that stuff. I guess I'm really curious as to just how high. And we talked about Lamar Jackson a little bit last week. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see just how high people take Patrick Mahomes next year.
1: Yeah, and I think it's still going to be in that Fourth, third or fourth round range. Lamar is going to go way higher than Mahomes. Um, and I think uh, at some point in the next few few weeks, couple of months, we'll, we'll start talking about best ball ADP, which I think is really going to start telling us because the only people really doing best ball right now are complete degenerates or sharps. And, and many would tell you that both are are the same thing. Uh, guys who are really, really ahead of the game who know understand fantasy football. So I like looking at ADP right now from best ball, guys who are actually putting money on the line. But I can tell you just from the early look at that, that Patrick Mahomes is, as you might imagine, the second quarterback off the board. And I would think this Super Bowl run has probably increased um, his value for next year because, you know, it seems like in the NFL – uh, we're only really capable of talking about one thing at a time often, and it seemed like it was Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, and he was going to win, and he's going to win the MVP. I think I remember saying on this podcast like five or six weeks ago, was like it feels like nobody's talking about Mahomes anymore because it's the latest thing. It's the guy who's having the big year, but Patrick Mahomes has obviously completely changed that conversation with his performance. And this is uh, – we're, we're playing a numbers game here, and this is strictly anecdotal. But when you watch Patrick Mahomes uncork one of those downfield throws uh, – you, you, I'm talking specifically about the third down touchdown pass to, to Sammy Watkins for 60 yards. When I saw that thing go up in the air, there was like – sitting there and watching it in the air, I was like, there's no doubt in my mind that ball is being completed. And it, it's just – He's just on, on that special level right now where he has the, he has the guts to throw the ball the way he throws it, he has the talent to throw the ball the way he throws it, and perhaps most importantly, the chiefs have surrounded himself with the, with the perfect mix of speed and talent on the perimeter. You know say what you want about Sammy Watkins, the guy can run. Tyreek Hill, obviously, we know he can run. Travis Kelsey's big, strong, and he can run. And, and the speed, it's just the perfect mix of what Kansas City can do. And, and as I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I don't think Damian Williams is by any means special. But he has some speed out of the backfield, and he's able to create plays for them in, in the passing game. And I think that's so important. And that's kind of what they were missing when LaShawn McCoy was their main back. Just that speed and that explosiveness out of the backfield that adds another element. I'm excited to watch this Kansas City team in the Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes and basically all the talent around him is, is the reason why.
0: Speaking of special, Joe, I know once again you asked if you could talk about the special underwear that you've been wearing.
1: Uh, Ross, this is is the reason we're doing the podcast today, because I cannot get enough of Tommy John. And when it comes to comfort down there, you know where I'm talking about. There's underwear, and then there's Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for Americans everywhere, including me. To put it simply, Tommy John doesn't give an F. They give three Fs. As a matter of fact, fabric, fit, and function – Tommy John obsesses over every little detail and stitch by using proprietary fabrics that perform like nothing you have ever worn before. Proprietary fabrics. That means you can't get it anywhere else. As a result, Tommy John's men's and women's underwear sport, a no wedgie guarantee. Comfortable, stay put waistbands and a range of fabrics that are luxuriously soft, feather light, moisture wicking, breathable and are designed to move with you, not against you. That means no bunching, no riding up. Any guy knows, and girl knows as well, when your waistband on your underwear, you know, maybe you're even – you know how that feels when it bends and it flips over. It's the worst. This doesn't happen with Tommy John's. Tommy John is so confident in their underwear that if you don't love your first pair, you can get a full refund with their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. If you prefer to shop in stores – You can find Tommy John in over 1,200 retail locations across the country, including Nordstrom stores nationwide. I love Nordstrom. Tommy John, no adjustment needed. Give three Fs about your underwear and upgrade with Tommy John today. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash feast for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash feast. 20% off. 20% TommyJohn.com slash feast.
0: Let's get to the next game, Joe, and that was the game I was on the sideline for—the Packers and the Niners. I liked how we did the Titans first in the AFC Championship game. So let's do the, let's do the Packers first. I do tend to think next year they will have some more weapons for Aaron Rodgers, um, whether to. that's a tight end or another receiver. But right now, based on what we saw. What are you thinking for Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams next year?
1: Well, Aaron Jones, I think, is going to be a top 25 pick. I think the same for Devontae Adams. I don't know. Aaron Jones right now, I believe, is in first round with ADP. We are very, very early, and we do want to get more data on that with best balls. But Aaron Jones really just uh, overtook uh, Jamal Williams, who's a solid player, but more of a nice backup. And Devontae Adams, it was great to see him finish the year the way he finished. Nine for 138, obviously playing from behind a lot of the game helped that uh, in the NFC championship game. But he went over 100 yards in four of his last five games after doing so in just three of his um, in three of his first nine so very good to see Devontae Adams finish the year strong after he was the number one fantasy wide receiver in 2018 got off to the slow start then he got hurt obviously uh, wasn't the perfect season but good to see him finish strong Aaron Rodgers though he had two turnovers uh, three turnovers he fumbled two more times that he didn't turn the ball over 31 to 39 for three twenty-six. frankly, uh, two touchdowns, but it, it did not felt feel like he played that way. And that's so, so weird for Aaron Rodgers, who for years was maybe the most aesthetically pleasing quarterback in the league to watch with the flick of his wrist and the unbelievable bucket throws that he still made a couple of, but it just feels like he's missing things. And at this stage in his career, I don't think anybody's going to argue that he's The top two or three quarterback in the league. He just isn't that way anymore. And what that says to me is maybe he's at the stage of his career where he just cannot elevate the team around him the way he used to. And you know what? That's fine but the Packers have to make a focus on elevating the team around him. Marquez Valdez-Scantling opened the year as a starting wide receiver. He played one snap in the NFC Championship game, so he got buried. Uh, Alan Lazard was an undrafted guy who can make contested catches, but he's more of a three or a four. Uh, Jimmy Graham can't run anymore. Um, Kumaro's a guy. Mercedes Lewis hasn't been able to run for 15 years. He's still in the league because he can block. The one guy who's interesting, because you mentioned tight end, Jay Sternberger who was the rookie uh, this year, who ended up, I believe he started the year on IR because he got hurt during training camp in the preseason. He ended up playing just six games during the regular season. He didn't score a touchdown until the NFC Championship game, and it was his first uh, touchdown in the NFL. He's somebody who I think is going to fly really under the radar in best ball drafts. I'm going to be keeping a close eye on what people are saying about him in OTAs. Uh, if the Packers don't sign or draft a tight end, I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, their commitment to Sternberger because I thought this guy was an interesting player coming out, just wasn't able to get on the field because of injuries, but a talented guy who I think can really help Aaron Rodgers. But this team needs to, and and, and credit to Brian Gutenkunst, the general manager. He has been much more willing to open the purse strings here to get talent into Green Bay, much more so than Ted Thompson was his predecessor. And I think he is good. I don't think anybody can look at this team and say, you know what? This is a strong enough group around Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams is a top 10 wide receiver. That's about it, though. I think Aaron Jones is a really good NFL running back and and that's a good start. But they need. They need Sternberger to take take a step forward. They need to add at least one wide receiver, whether through free agency or or the draft, if not both. And they need to try to put Aaron Rodgers in a position where he doesn't feel like he has to carry this team. He's missing things out there. I don't think he's playing with the the desired level of comfort that that we've seen him play with in the past. This is a team that I know people were saying they were 13-3. They were frauds at 13-3. I'm not going to go that far. But I clearly thought heading into this game that they were the inferior team to San Francisco, and that bore out. I mean, this game was 27 nothing at halftime. And and um, uh, once Aaron Rodgers made that mistake, the uh, the botched center quarterback exchange, you knew this game was going to be trouble. And you just didn't feel like you felt in the past with Rodgers that the Packers had the firepower to come back.
0: Yeah, let's get to the, the Niners then. Uh, Joe on the other side, and I I guess what's interesting to me about them on a bunch of different levels is, you know, what we're going to do next year with Deebo Samuel, what we're going to do with Raheem Mostert. I mean, it's they're a fascinating team because I, I can see, you know, the history for the Shanahans is they like to have one running back and really ride him. They didn't really do that this year Mostert was obviously unbelievable. We know they're going to run it a lot. We also know that Jimmy G had a bunch of big games, but they haven't used mm-hmm. him as much the last couple of weeks. I'm curious to kind of get your early fantasy projections for the Niners next year, especially at running back and deep. Well,
1: uh, oh, running back's going to be tough, but man, how fun to watch is Mostert and he is fast Ross. And this is just, this is just something that I've noticed this year And look, everybody knows fast guys are great in the NFL, but hasn't it felt this year that the teams that have this speed – and by the way, I saw this on Twitter, NFL Next Gen Stats tweeted out – that the Chiefs and the and the 49ers essentially by tracking were the two fastest offenses in the NFL and they're in the in the Super Bowl. And I remember you talking, you and I have been talking and, and talking to Greg Cosell all year about how slow teams like Philadelphia were. And this is where the league is going. And that's why I think Raheem Mostert has busted out because the 49ers have put him in a great position to succeed with his speed, the, the schemes of, of Kyle Shanahan. You talked about the way Tennessee runs the football. Um, Kyle Shanahan uses the fullback. He uses the backup tight ends. George Kittle's a great blocker. I mean, this is a team, every coach in the NFL, although the NFL is and will be a passing league, every coach in the NFL, whether he's, he's a pass first guy or a run first guy, wants to play the way the 49ers played because it takes complicating factors out of it. It takes route running out of it. It takes the fact that there has to be an accurate throw. There's no drops. If you can just turn around, hand the ball off, and your running back's going to go for 220 and four touchdowns, you're going to do that every week because it's the easiest way to play when you're having success doing it. So Moster, I think, is the guy who right now you would call the top of the line for the 49ers running backs. But this is the perfect team heading into next year where I'm going to be willing to take shots on Tevin Coleman and Breida deeper down my draft boards, especially in best ball, as a fourth or fifth running back, knowing that... That they get their opportunities, as we saw with Devin Coleman last week, they're going to succeed in this offense. And I know Coleman right now is hurt. He's got the separated shoulder. Looks like he could play in the Super Bowl, but we'll talk about that next week. The one guy who I'm telling you, though, Ross, that I'm going to have a metric ton of in best ball and in redraft next year is Debo Samuel because I love the way this guy plays football he is mean and he's explosive he's elusive but he is a mean football player he reminds me uh, for 49ers fans kind of the way Pierre Garcon and Anquan Bolden would play I think he's more explosive than both of those guys especially uh, Garcon at the end of his career Garcon had a little more juice at the beginning of his career but he reminds me of those guys with just he's going to take the ball from you and then he's going to throw his shoulder into your face and run you over to get to the end zone. And we've seen with Debo Samuel that's kind of resulted in some fumbles. He's had some drops, but I think this guy is the exact type of X receiver that quarterbacks love throwing to and the exact type of X receiver that coaches love scheming up. I think Debo Samuel is going to have a monster season, and I think he's a future star.
0: I'm with you on that. Speaking, by the way, of future stars, how about people that use keeps like me maybe you can be a star like me not really i do use keeps though uh, we all have different genetic things that they are what they are i started losing my hair like i don't know five ten years ago it sucks started obviously trying to find out what i could do talk to some doctors been taking medicine ever since one's a pill in the morning the other one's a topical solution in the morning and at night and then, I don't know, a couple years ago maybe, I found out about Keeps, which is amazing. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to get a prescription. You don't have to go to the drug you know store to go pick up your prescription. You literally take pictures of your head. You fill it out online. Uh, they have an online doctor who more than likely will approve you, based on my experience at least. And then they send the medicine right to your house. So you're saving a ton of time. You're definitely saving money. And I highly recommend, if you have it even in your history, if you notice what you think is maybe even a little bit of hair loss, do not let any more go. Because what it does the best job of is keepsing what you already have. It keeps what you already have. So if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, Go to keeps.com slash feast to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash feast. Again, K-E-E-P-S dot com slash feast. Keeps.com slash feast. Here's the question I have for you, Joe. Next week, we are going to go over the Super Bowl. So there will be a lot of prop bets Mm -hmm. that you and I will go through, and I'll get your thoughts. Is there anything that people can do fantasy-wise for the Super Bowl? Are, Are there any DFS, or is it really just the prop bets is kind of the extension of it?
1: Well, I mean, you could do single-game slates for sure for DFS, but uh, the one thing I really like doing for the Super Bowl, Ross, and this is just a personal – this isn't really an advice thing. It's just something that I like doing, and and it's something that I think you can actually check out my Twitter for. Uh, Me and Tom Brawley, who's my co-host with Fantasy Free Agents, we actually put together – a prop bet contest every year. And it's something that we put together so everybody, even if you're not a sports better, can enjoy. It's, it's basically, I, I basically put out a Google spreadsheet and we assign point values for, for different prop bets. We usually do about 25 to 30. And uh, what we do is you assign a point value based on the likelihood it has uh, of happening. So for instance, if, if we rank something as a one point answer or uh, it has a greater likelihood of happening if we rank it as a 10 point answer, it has a less likelihood of happening. It's just like, you know how there are odds on prop bets. And, what we do is we do this contest, and it's kind of a little bit of an extension of the squares pool because for a squares pool, hey, they're fun, but you don't really there's no control over it. You know, you don't get to pick and choose what you want. You just get the numbers, and if your numbers hit, great. If they don't hit, you lose your money, and you had no control over it. We do this as an extension of that because you could pay five, ten, fifteen, twenty bucks ahead, whatever you want to charge, and you can uh, you can track this throughout the game, and we'll have stuff like. Uh, how long is the National Anthem over or under? What's the coin toss, head or tails? Um, and how many times uh, is this coach going to be shown during the National Anthem? What color is the Gatorade that he's going to get poured on? What color is the, – the, the old one that we used to like to have is what color sweatshirt is Bill Belichick going to wear? Obviously, we can't do that this year. But uh, we're going to d- we're gonna put that out uh, on my Twitter. And this is how I really like to play for the Super Bowl. It's fun for everybody Everybody can participate in it. I'm actually going gonna, gonna to put the, the question sheet out, and then I'll put the answer key out after the Super Bowl. Uh, but that is one thing that we are going to do next week. If you want some advice on betting prop bets, the one thing that I have to say is by the time the game kicks off, there's really going to be no value. Because everybody knows everything about this game. And it's not something where uh, somebody who's sharp is going to have an inside edge. Everybody's going to know everything about the Super Bowl. Everything's going to be overanalyzed in the next two weeks. So if you have your favorite sports book... When they start putting out prop bets, and some have not, I just checked a FanDuel today and they only have yardage props and whatnot for the biggest names of the game. They'll end up having them for basically everybody who's involved. When they start putting them out, that's the time to look because that, in my opinion, is the time when the most value is before people can get a good look at the props and say, hmm, that one is mispriced because the books will fix that very, very, very quickly for the Super Bowl.
0: We will dive into almost all of them next week, Joe. Absolutely cannot wait. Should be awesome. Ton of fun. Can't wait to break that down with you.
1: Uh, it's going to be great, Ross. I'm su- if, in case you haven't uh, noticed, I'm super fired up for this matchup. I-, I thought these were the two best teams coming into championship week, and they both pr- proved that, both winning by double-digit figures, both winning by margin. Um, uh, I-, I think this is a game everybody can get excited to watch for sure.
0: Excellent work, Joe. And speaking, by the way, of those prop bets, you know where to do it, too. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, where if you haven't already, you get a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code PODCAST1. That's five zero. So we're going to break them all down. We'll talk about it on the Even Money podcast for Sure. We will also talk about it here because Joe has the fantasy angle for the prop bets. We'll be all over it. BetOnline.ag is all over it always. That's why we love them. Make sure you're all over BetOnline.ag as well. The online sportsbook experts. You just got to use that promo code PODCAST1 so you get the 50% off. Andrew Brant was on a Tuesday edition of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which was very Different, unique, and fun. We talked about the Senior Bowl, his Packers losing, and quarterbacks on the move. Other than that, totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.